This podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. The Secret in My DNA is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that we've discovered that at least one assumed parent is not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an Ancestry DNA test, and suddenly life as I knew it was no longer the same. On this podcast, we share the experience of making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. I find the podcast platform to be a wonderful way for us to come together as a supportive community in which we can heal from the trauma and take back our narrative by sharing our stories with the hope that this will help others to cope with their new life-altering truth. Welcome to episode six, The Girl with Three Fathers. My guest today is Crystal. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you. Would you like to start by telling the listeners a little about yourself and where you're from? Sure. So my name is Crystal. I am 35. I was born in Palm Springs, California. I grew up there for the first about five years and then relocated to Oregon. And I've been living in Oregon, well, since I was five. And how do you like living in Oregon? I love it. I went back to the desert once in the past 35 years and it was enough. And back to Oregon you went. Yes. <laughs> and Crystal, when did you discover that you are an NPE? So when I was born, I lived with my mom and one of her husband her one of her husbands at the time. And I was the youngest of four kids. My sister was the oldest, and then I had two brothers. I grew up knowing that my stepdad was not my biological father, and it was very normal for us. Um, When I was about a year, we moved in with my grandparents because my mom had been arrested for drugs and couldn't, couldn't take care of the four of us. So as I'm growing up with my grandparents, it was very well known that they were not my mom and dad that my mom had divorced one guy and was dating my stepdad, who I now call him dad. Um, His name is Joe. He is an amazing guy, and I'm so lucky that I had him in my life. Um, I, I always knew that I was an, that I was an NP. I didn't know what the term was. I thought it was normal. I thought it was normal for all four siblings, two have the same dad, and the other two, we have different dads. And so at some point as an adult, did you end up taking a DNA test to try to find who your birth father is? Yes. So when I took the DNA test, I took it not to find my biological father, because at that point... I had found who I thought was my bio dad. Um, The reason I took it was because I always grew up hearing about how I was a Heinz 57 and how I had Mexican and I had um, English and German and Scottish and just all of these different things in me. So it was something to do for fun. And so I spit in the tube, send it off. And about six weeks later is when I found out that, yes, I am um, Northern Europe. I've got a lot of German in me, a lot, 34% Scottish, 
Um, no Mexican. Um, I've got Scandinavian and Norway. And so it was, it was normal. It was like, oh, okay, this is what I grew up to be, to hear. And so I really wasn't concerned or anything until I discovered the matches. And so you mentioned that you thought somebody else was actually your birth father. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yes. So when I was, um, I'd like to take us back to when I was young. So I lived with my grandparents until I was about five. We moved up to Oregon because my mom and stepdad had moved up here. And so they wanted myself and my brother, Robert, to come move with them and to live with them. So two of us moved in with mom, with my mom and dad. The other two stayed with my grandma and grandpa. And we were in the same town. Um, While I was living with my mom, the question was always there. Mom, who's my birth father? And the story was always the same. She always told me that my birth father was a Marine from 29 Palms, that they had dated for almost a year um, during, during their courtship, that they had a lot of fun together, and, well, obviously, <laughs> and that when I was conceived, when she was about three months pregnant, she told him that I was his. He always denied it. He said, there's no way she's mine. Um, The story goes that during the pregnancy, they continued to date. He continued to deny me. Um, I've heard stories that when I was born, that he spent the night at the hospital with my mom. Um, And then I heard that when I was three months old, he tried to kidnap me. Now... (laughs) I don't know if that's the truth because he does not remember that part. Um, He, when I was three months, he got relocated and was sent to Japan. And then after that, he was released from the military. Now, I didn't know this. Growing up, I didn't know that he got sent to Okinawa. All I knew was three months old, he tried to kidnap me. And that was the last time my mom ever saw him. Okay. And did she ever tell you any reason for him to be denying that you were his daughter? She said that he had no reason that when she was dating a person, she was with that person and no one else. (sighs) Ah. Yeah. Now, an interesting piece to my story is that my mom had to keep me for an extra about six weeks. Um, She had to keep me inside. They actually sewed her cervix because at full term, I was less than two pounds. Um, She was a single mom with three other children. She couldn't, she would feed her kids and not eat. And so... At this point, the doctor told her, you need to eat. You need to give this baby nutrition or she will not survive. And so part of my wondering is if because she had to keep me a little bit longer, if she got her dates wrong. That's interesting. I have never heard anything like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was back in 1986. Um, my mom had three C-sections prior to me, so she wasn't going to deliver natural. And I was just so underweight that she ended up moving in with my grandma and grandpa. And my grandma basically force-fed her for six weeks. And they were absolutely sure that she was full-term at that point? That's what they said. And that's what she said. Now, this is all going off of her memories, my sister, who was seven when I was born, and then my grandma and grandpa. Wow. So then down the road, at some point, you find him. Yes. So in 2018, 
Well, growing up, off and on, I looked for him. I remember being in school libraries and logged into the computer back when computers were really large (laughs) and they moved really slow. Um, And I remember typing in his name and typing in the, his last known location, which my mom believed to be Oceanside in California. And I just, I never found anything. It was always three or 400 people with his name. I didn't know his age. I had no idea of his date of birth, his social, where he was born, when he was born, nothing. And so I gave up searching right when I was about 25, 26. And then 2018, there was a car accident. And my stepdad encouraged me to look for him again to get my family medical history. And that was when, with the help of a search angel, I was able to find this man. And what was his reaction? So I remember I got the phone number and I called him. It was a Saturday night at six o'clock West Coast time. So nine o'clock his. I picked up the phone. I dialed the number and it rings a couple of times and then I hear hello. And the butterflies were definitely in my stomach. I was nervous, but I'm like, okay, he's on the phone. So it's now or never. And so I asked, hey, is this Peter Green? And his response was, it depends on who's asking. He probably thought you were a telemarketer or something or or a bill collector. <laughs> I think so, especially because I have an Oregon number and he is on the other side of the country. Didn't know anybody on this side anymore. And so I said, well, my name is Crystal. I was born in 1986 in Palm Springs, California. My mom's name is. Um, she tells, she says that you're my biological father. And there was about a 30 second pause. And then he goes, holy shit. <laughs> he goes, well, this is me. All right. And he goes, I remember your mom. And I remember the fun we used to have together. And I always knew a day like this would come. And I said, well, what do you mean you knew this would come? And he said that he always expected a condom to break or something. And in that first phone call I had with him, he denied ever knowing about me. He denied saying that he wasn't my bi- that he wasn't the father. The first phone call was short. It was about a half hour. And during that call, I told him, I said, you know, it's up to you where we go from here. I really need family medical history. If you're willing to provide that for me, I will hang up and never call again. I said, it's your choice. And it sounded like that that's what he wanted, but he kept talking a little bit more, asking me a little bit more questions. And at the end of the half hour call, he goes, I really want to get to know you a bit more. And he said, my mom's still alive and she's going to be ecstatic to know she has a granddaughter. So we get off the phone that night. And when we got off, he goes, will you send me a picture of yourself? And I said, would you send me one of you? I've never seen a picture of you, but I've heard about you. So we get off the phone and I text him a couple pictures. And then he texts me a picture. And as much as he needed to go to bed, he kept texting me almost all night long. And the next morning... He texts me and he said, I'm I'm calling my sister right now to tell her. So he calls his sister, uh, my Aunt Lori. And as he's on the phone with her, I get a friend's request from her on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, I'm so happy to hear 
about you. Welcome to the family. This is surreal. And then as her and I are texting, he's calling his mom. And I get an actual text message from his mom. And she goes, hi, Crystal. My name is Mary. I'm Peter's mom. And I just wanted to say welcome to the family. And I'm happy you're with us. Oh, my goodness. It was a whirlwind. My grandma, the only one I, well, I had two grandmas growing up. My step, my step Nana and my grandma who raised me. And they both had passed when I was 19 and 20 years old. So now I'm 32 years old and all of a sudden I have a grandma again. And I have this man who says, yeah, you're most likely my daughter. And so in our second phone call, I asked him, would you like to do a DNA test? I'll send you one. And he said, there's no need to do one. You look like me. You talk like me. You act like me. As far as I'm concerned, you're my daughter. Wow. I look back to that and I'm like, well, that's where I went wrong. Then I realized I didn't know better. I had never searched out my biological father before. I had no reason not to believe my mom. I thought it was him. I mean, I was comparing pictures side by side and looking and seeing we had the same cheekbones. And he would talk similar to me. And when I flew to see him in Florida in 2019, my fiance went with us, with me, and she watched us basically eat the exact same at the kitchen table. And we liked most of the same foods. And it was just really surreal. And so you had mentioned that you had taken a DNA test just to find out what the percentages of your ethnicities were. Everybody wants to see that pie chart, right? Yes. And so at what point then do you begin to realize something isn't adding up here? So after getting home from Florida, we had an amazing trip. Um, Him and I, we had several heart-to-heart talks, including walking on the beach and him kissing my forehead and saying, I love you. Well, when I got home, I did the ancestry DNA to find out my heritage, but I was also working on my family tree. And I was able to find pictures of his grandma and grandpa and his great grandparents. But I wasn't finding, after my DNA matches came in, I wasn't finding any DNA matches. Like I even typed in his last name and messaged the five people who showed up with his last name and asked them, are you related to so-and-so? It was all no. So working on the family tree, I found his half-sister on there, and it said we weren't a DNA match. But when I asked her, she said she had done the ancestry. And then I found some of his cousins, and they had done the ancestry, but we weren't DNA matches. And so this was about when I finally got my my head out of the sand and realized something's really up was April of this year. And so were there any DNA matches showing up that you didn't recognize that you were curious about? Oh, there were tons of DNA matches I didn't recognize. Um, There was two people that were classified as close family slashed first cousin is what it said but it was 1900 centimorgan shared 27 and 28 percent shared with these two people they both had the same name they both were younger than me 
And so I had messaged Laura, my half sister, and I'm like, so this is my story. I think you might be related on my dad's side. And she replied that she thinks I was related from her dad's side. So I ask who her dad is. She asks who mine is. She's like, well, my dad was stationed at 29 Palms, California during 85 and 86. I said, that's that's funny because I was conceived in 29 Palms, California in 85 and 86. And my biological father had dated my mom down there. And she's like, looking at the amount of DNA that we share, I do not think we're cousins. I don't think there's any other answer except for you're my sister. And I still didn't want to believe it. I still tried to say, well, maybe your dad's my uncle. Um, Maybe my dad has a half brother he never knew about. And she showed my pictures to her mom. And her mom's like, that woman looks very much like one of your dad's sisters. And so she tells me this, but being stubborn, I, I didn't want to believe it until April of this year. And that was when I started researching the green side of the family and finding out I shared no DNA with them. So then you had to break the news to them, right? Yeah. So what I did first was back in April, I took my head out of the sand and I found her dad on Facebook and I messaged him and it was a very simple text. It was, hi, my name is, I was born, I matched with Jeremy and Laura, I believe I may be your biological daughter, would you be willing to do a DNA test? And it took him about a week to reply. And he replied back that he was sorry it took so long to answer. But he had to talk to his kids and his wife and make sure that they were okay with us talking. And he said, I'm open to getting to know you. But at this time, I don't want to do a DNA test because there's too many scams out there. And so I replied back. I said, okay, I understand. I said, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. So for the next eight hours, we texted off and on on Facebook. And we found out I get a lot of stubbornness from him. (laughs) Um, That he agreed that I look very much like a younger version of his sister. That I talk like him act like him. Um, We had a phone call that day that lasted two hours. And at the end of the phone call, he said, you send me a DNA kit and I will take it. I think you're my daughter. So I get off the phone with him. I immediately ordered one. Um, I ordered one to send his piece to him, which is in Ontario, Canada, and my piece to Oregon. And I paid for rush shipping because I did not want to wait the normal time. Um, I got my tests within two days. He got his within two days. We immediately did the swabs, overnighted it back to the lab. And within a week of the day, he said, send me a test. I had the email results. And what were those results? Those results were 99.999999% probability of him being my biological father. I basically fell to the floor and just sobbed. And I cried for about 10 minutes. And it wasn't that I was sad he was my bio dad. I was relieved. And I was relieved because I finally had an answer to my 34-year-old question, who is my biological father? And after I quit crying, took about 10 minutes, 
I called my bio dad on Facebook and I told him, so congratulations, you're a dad. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I just got the results. I just forwarded to him, to you and they're, they're positive. You're my biological father. And he was so excited. The excitement when his, in his voice was amazing. He called out to his wife and said, hey, honey, at 57 years old, I'm a dad again. It's a girl. <laughs> that is absolutely the sweetest reaction I think I've ever heard in any story. It was amazing. His reaction was more than I could have hoped for and more than I expected. And we only spent about 10 minutes on the phone that time. But he's like, I need to make some phone calls. So he calls his his other kids. He calls his sister who lives in Nebraska. And about an hour and a half later, he's still on a high. And he calls me back. And I never expected the question he asked me. He said, so I just want to check in with you. And see, where do you see us going from here? It flabbergasted me. I'm like, I've never expected that question to be asked. I said, well, honestly, I want to leave that in your court. If you want to build a relationship with me and get to know me, I'm very open to that. I said, however, if you just want to give me family history and say, see you later, I'm okay, too. And I said, but what I would like is to get to know you. And you could hear him let out a big sigh of relief. And he's like, I really want to get to know you as well. That's absolutely heartwarming. It's it's really amazing how he responded. Um, I read so many NP stories about biological fathers just shunning their kids or just not wanting to be a part of their lives. And it's heartbreaking. And I really feel blessed that not only once, but twice, I've had two men say, you're mine. And I want to be there for you. That's unbelievable. You know, rejection is a all too common thing in stories like this. Yes. And so it's really wonderful to hear a story where you have two potential fathers wanting you in their lives and accepting you with open arms. But now you have these two people who want you to be their daughter, but only one actually is. So it took me about a week after getting the DNA results to call Pete. And um, before I called him, I needed to tell, I needed to tell my mom. And that was really hard. I called her after work one night. And I said, Hey, mom, So I I need to tell you something and I don't want you to get upset. And she's like, what? And I said, well, about a year ago, I took an ancestor DNA and found out that Peter Green is not my biological father. She goes, what do you mean he's not your biological father? I said, well, this is what's happened. I explained the whole thing to her. And she's like, DNA has to be wrong. That has to be wrong. There's no way this other guy is your biological father. And we got off the phone. She asked me not to share my story, not to post it on my public Facebook, not to tell any of my family because she was afraid of how she would look. And for a while, I was okay with that. But not for long. I found out from my biological father 
that he remembers a one night stand where a woman who looked like my mom came into his on the Marine base and came into his barracks and they tumbled in the hay. And the next morning she left behind a pair of her Harley Davidson underwear (laughs) and it was inspection day. And so his sergeant gave him hell for having a pair of women's underwear on his bed. <laughs> I'm having such a hard time controlling my I know. laughter right now. I know. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. It is hilarious. My mom swears it never happened. However, when I talk to Peter, he's like, well, your mom was very free flowing with the alcohol back then. And she used to get very wasted. So what I'm suspecting is that she came to the barracks to get in with Peter's bed. And ended up in Wesley's bed. (laughs) Was this the 80s? It was the 80s. Oh, yeah. Mom, mom, mom. You've got some explaining to do. Yes. So I've told my mom that I love her. That no matter what, she is my mom. And it's become kind of a a sore subject for her and I. I don't believe she's like purposely lying to me. I think she truly does not remember. Um, Right after I was born, she had a boyfriend who was really bad to her. And she... My sister and I, we think that she's had a couple of brain injuries because of it. And it's possible that she doesn't remember that far back. And alcohol has a way of erasing memories as well. 100%. Yes. Um, I look at it now that I was lucky how I was raised. And I feel that the universe meant for me to wait until almost 35 to find Wesley. And Wesley ended up being your birth father. Yes. So Wesley is my biological father. Peter is basically my non-biological father, but he has adopted me. Not legally, but you know. Um, And then Joe is my stepdad, but I have called him dad since I can remember. And he has always been there for me. He was the one who was at my high school concerts, my tennis matches. He was the biggest cheer in the crowd anytime I got a award or did anything like that. Girl, can you share some of these fathers with me? I need one. Hey, I wish I could. (laughs) I don't know. Pete might be up for it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Living with my mom and stepdad, I only lived with them for about five and a half years. Um, From the time I was five to almost 11, I lived with my mom and stepdad. And then when I was 11, we were taken away and put back in my grandparents' care. Um, I feel like the universe has had a plan this whole time. Because I went through some really hard things as a kid. Um, By the time I was 11, I had gone through physical, mental, and sexual abuse. Um, I had been ripped out of one home put in a foster home and then put into my grandparents. Um, It was just, it was a whirlwind childhood. But by the time I was 14, 
My parents had 100% quit the lifestyle they were living. They became in, they went into NA and now they have been cleared over 30, let's see, over 25 years they've been clean and sober. That's wonderful. Yes. And it was us getting taken away that really did it. And so when I was living with my mom and stepdad, I didn't call him dad when I was five to 11 years old. I called him Joe. When I was 13, 14, and he was making amends, and we became close, and I'd go visit, and I'd spend the night, and he was just always there. That's when he really became my dad. And now I'll I'll go hang out with him and go to the flea market together. And people actually think we're related, that we look alike. <laughs> he is full-blooded Italian, and I am his very white daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and so going back just a little bit, you had mentioned that when you started making these realizations that you were actually connecting by DNA and you eventually figured out who your birth father was you had figured this out because you found a half sister. Yes. So did you find, so you find a half sister. Are there any other half siblings, any other relatives that you also found? Yes. So I found my half sister and half brother, Laura and Jeremy. They were my number one and number two matches. Um, Then after them, I was able to separate my matches according to um, who was related to my mom's side of the family. And I had a ton of first and second and third cousins from no idea who they were from. And, but they all shared the same Jeremy and Laura with me. And so it was determined that they are related. Um, my biological father Um, so an interesting thing, part of why my biological father has made such a point to be in my life now is because he grew up, um, basically with an adoptive mother. His mom gave him away when he was, he was two years old. He had a different father than the other five kids with his mom. And he was the youngest. Um, when he turned 18, he searched for his biological father and found out that his bio dad had been having an affair during when he was conceived and that he was the dirty little secret. And so he has not pursued finding that family. And so even though I have dozens of matches on his side, I probably will never figure out who their dad is or things like that because it's not important to me. He he doesn't stay in contact with that side of the family. And how were you received by your half siblings? So um, my biological father... When he left Yucca Valley, California, he moved to Canada to get married. He had his first son in 1988, 1990, and then 1994 um, was my youngest sister. Um, Altogether, there's four of us. I'm the oldest. um, And then there's about two to two and a half years in between all of us. Um, my half sister what is super excited to have a sister in her life. Um, we chat through WhatsApp because she lives in Australia now. We don't chat a whole lot. Um, usually it's I send a message and a month later I get a reply. <laughs> but her and I are actually trying to build something. I messaged both of the half brothers on Facebook. And one of them has replied. The other one has not replied. And the one who replied said, I'm sorry, but at this time, I don't want to get to know you. 
And I said, okay, I understand. I wish you the best. He just said, sorry, I'm not interested at this time. When I got the message from Jeremy saying that he was not interested, it really stung. It hurt. Um, But growing up, I was taught not to let it show. And so I, I don't want to guilt trip him into wanting something to do with me. And so I just said, okay, I understand. I'll be here if you ever are ready. Matt, um, my bio dad has talked to Matt and Matt said he was going to reply to my message, but he never has. I've never sent him another message. Um, I just, I kind of want it to be on his court now. You know, he could say one thing to dad and not really want to, but, you know, he's trying to appease his father. So I don't want to, I I don't want to get in the middle of it. Once the Canadian border opens up completely, I'll get to meet Matt. um, And I'm hoping that just by meeting him, he might want something to do with me. I hope so. And have you been able to meet your birth father yet in person? Not yet. Um, Thanks to COVID. (laughs) Um, Canada has just come off of lockdown. Like July 21st, they opened the borders for limited people to fly in. I could fly in, but my fiance could not. And in order to fly, I would have to have something printed off that my biological father would sign saying, yes, I'm a blood relative. And then the Canada government would have to approve it. And then I could book my flight. And this is something I don't want to do alone. So I'm just going to wait. I got my passport. She's applying for hers. And he's made several comments about him and his wife coming to see me here. I really hope that happens for you. I really do. I'm sure it will. You know, I'm at peace right now. We're in August already. It's quite possible it might be the spring. Um, my my half-sister is getting married um, in August of next year, and she's due it in Vegas. So I'm really hoping that she's going to invite me to the wedding. And I know at that point I'll be able to see all three half-siblings and my biological father. That would be super cool. Yes. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you that that happens. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> and so now, forgive me, I get confused because we're, we're juggling three dads at this point. <laughs> I get confused every day. <laughs> the man that you thought was your bio dad that you found out was actually not. Um, yes. How... How did he take all of this when you finally had to say, guess what? It, he took it very hard. Um, I called him and even before I opened my mouth, I was already in tears. And I said, dad, I really need to tell you something, but it's not easy for me to say. And he's like, well, you know, you can tell me anything. It's okay. And I said, Well, and then I went into the story about ancestry and DNA, and he's like, well, send me a DNA test. I'll do one. And I said, I'll send you one if it helps you. I said, but here's the thing. I already got a DNA test back, and it's not just him I matched with. I matched with his kids and his cousins. And he still couldn't wrap his his mind around it. So I sent him a picture of the DNA results. And I didn't mean to hurt him. But his response was, ouch, that hurt. And I replied, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I just need you to know that this has been verified. And so we talked on the phone after that. And he's like, I I don't care what the DNA say. You're my daughter. And I'd like to believe him with that. But over the past few months, he's been pulling away from me. 
Um, he never was a great communicator, but he at least would call me once a week prior to the DNA results. I haven't talked to him on the phone in over a month. Um, I do get text messages occasionally from him, but usually I have to start the conversation. He says he loves me, um, but I still can't help feeling like everything's changed. Well, it has. It has. It really has. He does not want me telling his mom or his sisters. He wants me to basically pretend that I never had this DNA discovery because his mom's 84 and she's ecstatic to have a granddaughter. Wow. That, that puts you in such a tough spot. It does. It really does. Um, on my Facebook, I've had to keep my biological father off of my Facebook for the most part. Um, for Father's Day, I had to word my Father's Day post very delicate without tagging anybody or without naming anybody. Um, I just feel like I'm kind of living in the shadow of a lie. And in one point, I don't want to hurt him any more than I already have. But then in the other point, I'm hurting myself. Exactly. And you deserve to live your truth, especially now that you have finally found it. Yeah, I do deserve to live my truth. And it's hard because my mom is a very prideful woman. My um, non-biological dad, Pete, he's a very prideful man. And my stepdad, he is the most level-headed about all of this. What has his advice been about this? So I went down and visited them about a month ago, and they live in Reno. And so I drove down there and spent a few days. I actually surprised him for Father's Day. Um, He didn't know I was coming. He got off his motorcycle and I was there. (laughs) Um, Him and I, we got a lot of time to talk while my mom was at work. And he's like, so how's things going with Pete? And I said, well, Pete says that he wants to stay in my life and that I'll always be his daughter and he loves me. And he goes, then good. He goes, keep that relationship going if you want. He's really stepped up. I said, yeah, but mom, my mom, when she heard that, she's like, why? He's not your bio dad. He shouldn't have anything to do with you now. And so... Does he have any advice for you on whether or not you should keep this facade going with who you thought was your bio dad and your grandmother, um, or if you should just tell them the truth and be able to finally live your truth fully? You know, I haven't actually talked with him about that. Um, I believe his advice would be to live the facade. Um, just because his mom is 85 years old, 84 years old, how many more years can she have? So I understand that, but I also understand she's a very active lady. She's on Facebook. I have two aunts from his side and her all on my Facebook. So I'm sure that they'll figure it out one way or another. And something to keep in mind, too, she's a mature, grown woman. I yes, I think that she probably deserves more credit than she's being given. I think that she would probably understand mm-hmm. and may even have the same reaction and say, well, you know what? We still want you in our lives, biological or not. But yeah, but she deserves to know the truth as well. I agree. I think what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to call Pete in the next week or two. And they all have iPhones. So I want to organize 
um, a face a FaceTime with all of them. And because one aunt lives in Lakeland, Florida, um, my aunt, my the other aunt and grandma, they live in Jacksonville. And then now Pete lives in Tennessee. So we're all over the country now. And so you want to organize something like that to be able to tell everybody. Yep. And I want Pete to be on the call too, because I think it's going to be really important for him to know that he has that support that his family now knows and he doesn't have to keep it a secret. And at that point, it will also give him an out if he decides that, okay, I don't have to live this lie and I don't want to be her dad after all. He's got that option. It's his right. And how do you think he will react when you tell everybody on the group call? Well, I want to have a conversation with him first and really just let him know that it's not his decision to make. That for me to live my life, I need to do this. And that I would like him as my dad to be on that call with me. And so we can tell his mom and sisters all at the same time. And they've got that support there. And if his mom and sisters decide that they want nothing to do with me because I'm not blood, then that's their option. And they will either support him or not. I think that sounds like a great idea. Definitely. Now, what is your relationship like as a result of all of this with your mom? So my mom and I, we basically, we don't talk about it. Um, if I call her, it's usually, how was your day on both sides? Um, we talk about my aunts on her side, um, or my cousins or my, my, my half sister from her. Um, we hardly, we don't talk about the, the big sheep in the room, um, because she denies it so many times. She has finally admitted that the DNA does not lie. Um, however, she still does not want me to tell anybody because, well, it's embarrassing. It's also a really common thing for mothers to do in this situation. It becomes all about their own self-preservation Yep, and less about how their child feels about this entire situation. The good thing is, is that she has asked for Pete's phone number because she wants to call and apologize to him. Well, that's huge. Yes, it is. It's it's huge. And very commendable. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will happen? I'm not sure. Um, I can see me giving her the number and then her just forgetting. Um, I do think that my stepdad will push her to do it because he feels that it's the only right thing to do right now. And I can understand. So he's kind of like the angel on everyone's shoulders. (laughs) And sometimes the devil. Yes. We all have a little of both in us. Oh, amen. (laughs) Um, When a parent is not forthcoming with our true parentage or couldn't have been because they didn't know, for example, in your situation, it could very well be that your mom's alcoholism back then could have really clouded her memory. So whether it's malicious or not, or whether it's purposeful or not, not knowing your true parentage is a really difficult thing to go through. 
if there are any parents listening right now who have not been forthcoming, either accidentally or purposely or for any reason, what would you say to them? My advice would be to sit down and talk to your child, Um, whether that child is 15 or 50. I feel that getting this info from a DNA test really rocks the child's life. And if you're able to sit down with them and let them know that, hey, there's a possibility that so-and-so is not your biological father, then it just makes that those test results that much easier to accept. Absolutely. When you and I were talking earlier this evening before we started recording, you had mentioned that you're very excited to tell your story, but also super nervous. What made you want to actually share your story, even though there was a lot of fear around it? Because my whole life, I've been a people pleaser. I have been a caregiver. I took care of my grandparents before they passed away. I took care of my ex-father-in-law before he passed away. I've always been taking care of others. And now I'm at a point in my life where I need to be true to myself. And so even though if my mom hears this episode... We might go a time without talking and she might get really mad at me. I feel that it's what I need to do for me to finally fully accept my situation and be able to move on. Absolutely. And I think it helps others who are going through this as well to to hear somebody else's story and know that they're not alone in this journey. And hopefully other parents maybe who have not yet told their children what their true parentage is, maybe it will help them to finally take that necessary step. Where are you now in your journey in terms of healing, coping? What kind of steps have you taken to help you through this process? So I have definitely had a lot of trauma growing up and then surrounding this whole situation. So I definitely need to get into therapy and I am actively searching for a therapist in my area um, because I feel that psychotherapy is really what what I need to do to try to help. Um, I have been journaling. I've been doing some self-help PTSD books. Um, And I'm just really hoping that by being here for others to listen and to let them know they're not alone, that that's going to help as well. And, And if there are others who are going through this, who feel like they really relate to your story and they would like to connect with you or reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that? Yes, most definitely. They can either find me on Facebook Um, Or they can go ahead and email me. My email is crystal.roby86 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you for that. So, Crystal, you still have more of your story to unfold. I really hope that you'll keep me updated. Maybe we can even do a follow-up episode down the road as um, you have more developments to your story. Yeah, most definitely. That would be great. Awesome. I want to thank you so much for being brave enough to share with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Please keep us updated. I definitely will. Thank you. Thank you. And now to my listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this episode today. As always, I leave you with an important message. If you are a parent who has not been forthcoming with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will negatively affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. 
If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate with your child in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future, and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. Discovering a non-paternal event later in life is very traumatic. We have a right to know where we come from and to know our true ancestry and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, please email thesecretinmydna at gmail.com. Your story could end up being a survival guide for another NPE who may be struggling or feel alone in their discovery. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash the secret in my DNA. The Secret in My DNA also has a Facebook page where our NPEs can share photos and updates of their journey, so please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret, signing off till next time.